Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Sakara Life. Today, we are so excited to have Dr. Marielle Bouquet on the Sakara Life podcast. She is an Afro-Dominican psychologist, speaker, and educator at Columbia University. She believes deeply in healing wounds of intergenerational trauma for Black and Indigenous people of color, for the liberation of our minds, and of oppressive systems as necessary qualities of our overall wellness. Her unique style of therapy is used to help restore people's souls, a deep modality of healing that happens both on a personal level and as a collective. We're extra excited to have Dr. Mariel on with us today because we are also collaborating on Sakara's reprogram challenge this fall that begins September 4th. This year, the Sakara's Fall Reprogram is a three-week program dedicated to restoring our bodies with Sakara nutrition, resetting our minds with Dr. Marielle Bouquet and her soul work, and refreshing our daily routines with some of Whitney and I's favorite daily essentials. So this is a really special program, and we're so excited to have Dr. Mariel here with us, providing the tools needed to reframe the way we think and have a deeper and perhaps better connection with our souls. If you're listening to this after September and can no longer join the Fall Reprogram, don't worry, you can always join us on our nutrition program that's delivered all across the country and listen to this podcast as a way to reset your mind. All right, let's get started with Dr. Marielle Bouquet. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Well, welcome to the Sakara Life podcast, Dr. Marielle Bouquet. I love your name. It's beautiful. Do Thank you get you. all types of pronunciations? Because my last name, I get, mine's Dubois, and I get like Duboisy and Duboisy <laughs> and all different variations of that. <laughs> yeah, I think since we're not in the French world, you know, yeah. we're going to get that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're very excited to have you on the podcast with us today. And the first question we always like to ask our guests that join us is, what is your mission here on earth? What is your mission with the, the work that you do? I always say, and, and have been saying for a number of years, this came to me just kind of as, you know, the, the kinds of things that or from your heart and you just find your way to to them in some way or another and one day I just said you know I just want to see my people heal 
And so that kind of just stuck with me, just really seeing people in their healing journey and facilitating that and being able to just open up avenues for healing. So mm. I think my life's mission for sure. And was there something in particular that you feel brought you to that work? Like we always tend to find that our missions are like we're brought to them through our own life experiences. So was there anything that like brought you to this work or was it just a calling? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, I can recall way back being like six years old and seeing just being very intuitive being very connected to people's emotions and reflecting that to my mom and saying, you know, I I really want to do something about that, especially when I saw people not feeling well or showing emotion outwardly. And I, I really wanted to pacify them and make them feel better. And then, you know, fast forward to when I got an opportunity to do some of that work for myself, I thought, this is really what fills me so Mm -hmm. it it's a journey that had a big gap in between between me being six years old and me being my adult self but eventually I found my way Mm. kind of right back to the beginning of feeling like I wanted to to help people not feel so bad to say it as my six-year-old self (laughs) (laughs) And when you were six years old and you were starting to have these intuitive feelings, what was that like for you as a child? And and in what ways did those start to come through for you? I think I uh, have always been like this very natural empath. I think sometimes some of us are born into that capacity. And I think some of us just kind of pick it up along the way. So my journey has definitely been one in which I feel like I've just always been that child, very introverted, very deeply connected to people, to people in a meta way and to my environment in a meta way where I always saw things in this multi-layered way. So for me, it, it just really meant that I was just tapping into all of that without even knowing it, being my six-year-old self, just like really going about life, ingesting everything that life was thrown my way in this multi-layered way and bringing that into my adult self to actually make sense of it all, Mm -hmm. which is a journey in and of itself as as all of you might imagine. And trust it would bring you to your path. Yeah. Yeah. Could you define the work that you do specifically and then how that feeds into your mission of healing people? The work that I do is one of the dimensions of healing because it's mental health related. It's one of the dimensions that can actually tie multiple arenas of health and healing and wellness. Mm -hmm. But it does focus mostly on the mind and for some of us, the mind-body connection and the ways in which I aim, and I think we as a community of mental health practitioners aim to, to heal, is to bring enlightenment to a person. And through that increased insight, increased knowledge of the self, increased intuitive knowledge that a person might feel empowered rather than be in a position of feeling disempowered, which oftentimes is usually the undercurrent of 
feelings of distress and chronic distress, but we try to break that, break that cycle, right? Or provide people with the tools to be able to overcome it. And so how much does self-awareness play into that? Are you in a way holding up a mirror for people so that they can start to see maybe some of their habits or their own thoughts? I think even for me, it's really difficult sometimes to separate the thoughts that I'm having from myself, to be able to witness my own thoughts that I'm thinking and reflect and say, oh, wow, that's, that's not a healthy thought for me to be thinking because mm-hmm. it's just happening and it is me. And if I can kind of make that separation and reflect on my own thoughts, then I get to have an input on what I'm thinking and say, wait, no, I don't need to have that thought. That thought doesn't serve me. I'm going to work on shifting it and reprogramming that thought to be something that, that does serve me. Yeah, Whitney, that's exactly it. It's being able to get to that point that you're elaborating upon and, and being able to then be the person to hold the mirror to yourself, right? So we as therapists are supposed to be transient in a person's life. We're supposed to be a bridge and create for the person a line of tools that can actually help the person to then embody enlightenment and then continue that mission into the rest of their lives, right? But the beginning part of it is what I call like the gunk with mm-hmm. some of my clients. We just, we call it like the stuff that we kind of just like have to pick at and get at, you know, to be able to get to that point where things feel lighter and the client feels more in control of the journey of self-reflection because initially you have to play a role as a therapist where you are bringing to light things that don't feel very good to talk about. They sometimes don't feel very good to acknowledge about oneself. And so it is um, tough work that I think once you reach the point where a client is able to to self-reflect and see things in a retrospective way, they're able to see and have an appreciation for the work that has been done. But when when they're in the gunk and in the the not so pretty phase of therapy, it doesn't feel very good. There's resistance. There's sometimes missed sessions or I don't want to, I don't want to do this right now or, you know, all kinds of, nah, I'm not ready. So as a therapist, you have to also tap into your own intuition to be as gentle as a person needs in the moment Mm. while also making sure that you nudge in the direction of growth. Yeah. That reminds me of, of doing a physical detox and Mm. that your body has to process those toxins that it's been storing away and kind of has been hiding away in these nooks and crannies of your body. And then you do this detox and the body has to reprocess those toxins and kind of live through them in order to eliminate them. Mm -hmm. And you can have certain detoxing symptoms. You can have fatigue, you can get headaches, people get nausea, maybe even, you know, some vomiting, really just not pleasant things. Mm -hmm. And it's the body processing all of those things that had been stored away and not wanting to deal with. 
and then leaving the body. And then you feel so much better after so much lighter, like you're talking about, but it's, it's interesting that we go through that both physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And is it usually things that have happened to people in the past that they're storing away and that they need to work through? It's a bit of the past and a bit of the present. And the thing about the present is that sometimes when we're in our present selves, we're constantly thinking about the future and that's what worry looks like. And that's what we start calling like when it's in in a chronic form, anxiety. And so the present self is also really filled with a lot of the gunk or the baggage or the, the things that need to be detoxed that are situated in the past, situated in the present, sometimes even the future. I know that you talk a lot about the vagus nerve being the the soul nerve. So can you mm-hmm. talk about that a little and, and what that means and what the vagus yeah. nerve is? I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, but just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the vagus nerve for just the point of reference is the longest cranial nerve that we have in our bodies. And it actually connects from our hindbrain, which is our very base of our brain, the very beginning nerve cells that start to develop when we're still in utero, right? Like it's, they call it even the lizard brain because it's like the, the part of the brain that is just very instinctual. And so that cranial nerve then connects to basically all of the parts of our bodies through a series of nerve endings. And it has been coined to be the soul nerve I, I wasn't the one to to basically like create this um, term. I want to make sure that I give proper uh, appropriation of the term, which is um, an author by the name of Resma Menachem, who is a social worker who has written on on trauma, specifically racialized trauma and the ways in which we mend both our bodies and our hearts. And the polyvagal theory, which was initiated by Stephen Porges, was what originated the understanding of the vagus nerve as being the nerve that actually carries through the largest point of stressors and stress hormones in the body. And that it basically is a nerve that sends pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory signals into the rest of the body including and most specifically our gut, our second brain. And so it's implicated in healthy digestion, in proper liver function and proper lung function, in being able to have a spleen that promotes uh, the healthy digestion as well, that there is a healthy relaxation response that the body has, that there's healthy organ function that we have throughout all of the vital organs of our body. So it's really essential for vital living. And so there's been other ways in which it's been named. One is the pneumogastric nerve, which is pneumo is like in your lungs and then gastric in, in the gut system, right? And so that kind of also gives you a little bit of an understanding of like, where is this cranial nerve mostly situated in terms of where it's passing down the signals? And also it's been called the parasympathetic nerve because it actually helps us with that relaxation response that we need whenever our limbic system is overactive because we're in hyperarousal, because we perceive that something is stressful or a threat in our environment. 
So yeah, it's like a, our body's communication highway. It just like kind of, you know, sends signals to and from the brain and it creates either a transmission of stressors or sometimes constriction of them if we're able to activate the parasympathetic process. And so what are some of the best ways to take care of that communication highway, that nerve? Mm -hmm. The best ways that we've known to date have been by activating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is by activating relaxation responses and whatever relaxation responses are available to us at whatever time. So usually the best way to be able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system is by making it a daily practice and even a practice that you elicit throughout your entire day. And so because of that, if you're able to do that throughout your day, it becomes so much of your default that whenever you actually need it, genuinely need it, it will actually be already there at your disposal to help you when you're in emotional overdrive. We're obviously collaborating in a more meaningful way than, than just this podcast, which we're really excited about. And mm-hmm. one of the things that really was attractive for us and that we knew would be exciting for our Saqqara lights is that you do have a different take on, on mental health. And oftentimes Whitney and I always seek out experts and, and people to bring into the Saqqara life that are really good at living in two worlds. One being obviously well-educated, well-trained, understands the science behind their art, but then also understands the spirituality. And I think oftentimes people can live in either camp. So you, there's lots of people that are just in the spirituality camp. And then there's lots of people who are kind of just in the science, you know, yes, I I am a psychologist or Mm -hmm. a doctor and I only believe kind of in this medical scientific approach. And I think what you do so beautifully is really bridge the two. So can you talk about that a little bit in terms of like your approach to helping people through trauma, through whatever their personal journey is and, and the soul work that you talk about and, and how you bridge both the spiritual and the scientific? Yeah, and it's something that I, I love so much about this work that There is the capacity to do that. And I strongly believe that the two are intertwined. And so it it really doesn't do us any good to neglect any part of it, right? So as individuals that are healers like myself, that are usually the only healers that people are connected to, we have to consider the multiple ways in which we have to engage in the healing process, including what that means theoretically, scientifically, and what that means in its application. So when I started thinking more and more about that, and as I started doing more trauma work, as I became more trauma-informed and trauma-trained, it started becoming more and more evident to me that the missing link was that spirituality was what I now refer to as the soul, which is just the center of the hub of who we are, right? The mind, body, and spirit together create the soul. And it's important that we we don't leave any one of those behind, right? That all three are taken care of and that 
even if we are a practitioner that only serves one of those dimensions, that at the very least that what we're doing is that we are integrating other healers into our work or making referrals for other healers to be a part of the work with the same clients in order to make sure that all of the dimensions are being served equally. Yeah. And what does that look like in the application dimension that you're talking about? Like, I think typically when people think about therapy, it's, it's like sitting down and talking to someone and I'm sh- and that is, I'm sure absolutely part of the work that you do, but where does like the, the bridge between the spiritual and the scientific manifest for you in the practice of your work and, and for clients of yours? Well, I think it's been, for those of us that practice in the way that I do, we've actually have been very lucky that there have been people in our field that have already done the work to actually bring to light the ways that you can work through the lens of trauma work. There have been many of the theorists that we have, the new theorists, the new camp of theorists that we have in our field that uh, have not only conceptualized, but also done the work to scientifically prove the effect of us actually focusing on the soma, right? The body as a part of the ways in which we also release the toxins of trauma in the mind. And so we've been able to do that by incorporating a number of different exercises in the practice itself, like breathing exercises has definitely been really prominent in the work. Being able to engage in other somatic exercises where there is body scanning or progressive muscle relaxation, or a person actually is able to, I have colleagues that actually do nature walks while they're doing uh, trauma work. And so they're, they're actually holding therapy outside which is actually releasing some of the the tension that the body holds whenever it's in a place of stuckness or in a place of trauma. Then there's a camp of individuals that also understand some of the neuroscience behind all of this and the understanding around the, the ways that the nervous system works and how the nervous system becomes paralyzed and needs to be actually activated to bring about homeostasis or bring about a balance. And so some of what we do in that regard has to do with actual exercises that happen in the therapeutic space, like movement therapy, or there is a more collaborative work around like homework. We like to call it still, even though I think there may be a better term than homework (laughs) because that can be a little aversive for some of us. But it makes the interaction between the client and the therapist one that is collaborative and it inherently empowers the person to also be an active agent in their own healing. And in addition to that, spirituality is invited in the room in whatever form spirituality takes root in the person, right? And so if the spirituality goes as far as healing crystals or palo santo or engaging the chakras in some way, then that is something that I do personally in my work. It's so variable that it's a little bit of a hard question to answer 
because it, it literally looks different person to person. I will have eight to nine back-to-back sessions and each and every one looks so different from the other because I'm in collaboration with each individual and each individual has a different need and a different way in which they would like to work and access their stress or their trauma. And so we work with that, but always incorporating all aspects of the mind, body, soul. I love that you include soul in your work Mm -hmm. because we interview a lot of functional medicine doctors and in that world of functional medicine, I think the goal is to look at the individual as a whole, not just, oh, you have a stomach ache, let's only look at your stomach and see what's going on there. But, you know, let's look at your lifestyle. What could be causing stomach aches if it's a a chronic problem? Are you stressed out? What are you eating? All of these different things and really kind of coming at it to find the root cause rather than just treating the symptom. And I think that in that world, spirit and this soul work is starting to come in, but it's still pretty foreign to medicine and physical medicine. But I think it's something that I hadn't really thought about before. Like, where does that spiritual practice or tapping into that side of ourselves and doing that work come into our our health and our wellness routine? And where does it fit into the medical world where it's kind of been pushed to the side for so long and maybe has even, you know, been pushed away because of religion being forced on people so long that that's whenever somebody says spirit or soul, they think of maybe the religion that they were raised with and that's their form of spirit. But there are so many other ways to tap into that side of yourself and that connection. And that if we're not connected into there, if we don't have a healthy relationship with that spirit, that it can cause mental or physical ailments within us too. Mm -hmm. And so I I love that you're kind of really bringing in this holistic way and you're a great kind of entry point into doing some of this soul work because you have such strong credentials. You are a Columbia trained psychologist. Your work is extremely credible. And so I think for people who might be new to some of the work with crystals and energy, that might seem really far out there, but you can start to bridge those worlds and allow people to start to dabble a little bit and explore. So how do you start to use some of those tools then in your practice or, or for your patients? How do you recommend that they start using them in their own lives? I start with some psychoeducation. I think it's a, it's a matter of really, Allowing a person to have an understanding of what it is that you're presenting and then giving them the option to incorporate it in whatever way they feel comfortable. I also use a lot of disclosure, which is an actual therapeutic technique that is really effective when utilized appropriately, especially for populations that are BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous, people of color. It's been proven to be something that actually really helps with not only maintaining the therapeutic relationship, but also just making sure that it's a relationship in which individuals feel very connected. And so when you use the element of disclosure, 
and saying, hey, you know, I use this in my own life. Like I had in my office sage spray, a spritz, like a room spritz. And it had some activating crystals in there. And so my uh, clients would walk in and they would say, wow, it smells so nice. And it's so soothing. And so it would start the conversation and I would help them to understand like, yeah, you know, like a good 12 hours of sitting and, you know, taking in a lot of information that is filled with pain is something that can be pretty tough to sit with. So I have to do my own self-regulation. This is one of the things that I actually do in order to help me to be well throughout my day. And I show them my little bottle, you know, like, hey, you know, like this is what it is. It's actually kind of cool. I learned about it in this way and I utilize it even at home. And so it starts a conversation that's very fluid, it's genuine, and it allows them to understand the ways in which I myself also incorporate a lot of what I do in the work with them in my own life. And a lot of the therapies that are more of the cognitive behavioral therapies, more of the trauma-based therapies do use disclosure as a method of healing. Being able to share in our humanity is something that is incredibly important for you to not see me as this person that is, you know, in an ivory tower that is inaccessible and is all-knowing, but it's just a fellow human that is an individual that you can connect with. And I think it, it comes from that place. And I think that that's where it lands the best, at least with my clients. And now for a quick break to tell you about our exclusive fall program that we have coming up. If you're ready to start living your Saqqara life, we have an amazing program coming up called the Reprogram. This is one that Danielle and I put a lot of love and heart into. We curate some of our favorite clean products specifically for you. It's paired with three weeks of our signature nutrition program. So you're getting all of that great nutrition like we're talking about in this episode and the clean products so that you can get started on living your Saqqara life. And this year's reprogram is extra special. We've partnered with the very talented Dr. Mariel Bouquet. She is a Columbia-trained psychologist and is going to be diving in deep each week to do soul work with you. It's going to be really special, very cool. So you get the nutrition, the clean products, and this extra soul work all to help you start living your Saqqara life to reprogram your mind, body, and spirit. This program is available starting the week of September 4th, and we have start dates running all the way through September 24th. So sign up by Thursday at midnight for the following week. And just for podcast listeners, you can use the code PODCAST50 at checkout to get $50 towards your first program. That offer is valid through September 24th. Head over to sakara.com slash podcast to check it out. I've told you this before, but I feel like one of the things I've really taken in from you is this idea that self-care, and I don't even want to use that term because it's just so overused, but maybe we call it soul care here, mm-hmm. is a necessary part of your sanity and showing up every single day. It's actually not that thing you do when you have time. It's 
it's important to find those things that make you feel good and fill you up and help you find that homeostasis, as you said, or your center. It's, it's not a nice to have, it's actually crucial. And the idea that we can show up every day as our best selves and not do that work is actually the crazier thought, but somewhere along the line, we've, we've told ourselves and also informed by our culture and, and work schedule and all the things that we're supposed to just kind of roll out of bed and do the things and then show up at work and then, you know, start all over. And if we have time to take a bath or if we have time to meditate, good for us. But I feel your lens is really, no, no, no. First you have to find what's off, like check in with your soul, find what's Mm -hmm. off and then do the things to as much as you can, at least to find your center and your balance point in order to start the day or throughout the day to find your center and your balance point. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said throughout the day, because I think that that's something that we tend to miss out on as a part of what self-care can be, right? People or soul care, you know, like we, we don't necessarily need to carve out time to be able to do these things. It can be done at whatever point in time in our day. When I was taking the train to work, I would take a moment to just plug in and listen to something that can be soothing and take a couple breaths before I led into my day or after I left my day. Even in between sessions, there there have been times when I'll have someone that's maybe running late and I'll say, wow, that gives me, you know, maybe five minutes to just kind of lock myself in my office and just do a couple breaths, you know, to just transition from a better place into the next session and be more present and open for the next person. I may have a colleague here and there that is like, wow, five minutes, I can write my clinical notes and then just like jumps into that, right? And then there is no breath, no break, no smoother transition into the next the next narrative that's coming their way. And so what I have done is that I, I've just taken those moments to just be present with myself and, and help myself and try and model what I say to others to do, which is to take whatever five minutes you can in your day to just exercise that soul work and bring yourself back to center and do it as many times as is needed for you to feel like there is balance in your life. Yeah. And we talk a lot at Sakara about this idea of body intelligence. And I think you have a different way of, of speaking to it, but you did a little bit as when you do the soul check, part of it is your body and and how are you feeling and did what you have for breakfast actually make you feel good? Because I think a lot of times we don't even notice, right? We just keep going. And then 10 years later, we're like, oh, wait, I have chronic headaches or, you know, oh, wait, I have this, but Mm -hmm. there's signs along the way. And if we can all learn to take the time to check in, to notice, to almost become more of an empath, like towards ourselves and, and, and who we are and, and our bodies. That's really the goal. It's, it's what you said, where your goal is not to have somebody rely on you to, to feel good. You can mm-hmm. be a tool toward that. And, and that's always how we talk about Sakara is that we're not here to always tell you how to eat. Our dream is you find us, you transform, you tune into yourself and you can always rely on us as a tool. If you 
or too busy to cook or, you know, running around or whatever. But the whole point is to bring you to this level of body intelligence where you don't have to listen to anyone about what to eat. You just have that, that connection to your body mm-hmm. and that connection to what makes you feel good. I see, especially on your Instagram, ask people like, how's your soul doing today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's such an interesting question that like, how do people answer? Because when, I, when I saw it, I was like, you know, I don't exactly know how to answer yet. If I sat with it, I feel as though I'd probably gain the answer. Like that. It's like this intuitive thing that my soul would just be, my soul knows it's just like, maybe my mind doesn't. Mm -hmm. So how do you, why do you ask people that question? And then like, how, how do people answer? How do you suggest people start to uncover how their soul's feeling today? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because when I first put it out there, must've been like over a year ago, I was like, Oh, I don't know if they're going to really know what I mean, but I'm hoping we'll be well received. It happened to have been at that time and probably still happens to be every time that I do a soul check, one of the most highly engaging posts that I put out there. People just really want to check in with me, with each other. You'll see that, you know, in the comments, people have something to say to one another whenever someone's soul is quote unquote weary. You'll see their fellow human to say, you know, it'll get better and just offer some motivation or say, this is what I did today. I'm hoping it can be helpful to you. Right. But then eventually I did get to the point where I tried to elaborate upon what it was that I meant and that I meant, you know, how are all of the areas of your life doing? Your soul involves all of you. And so I ask about your soul because if I ask about your mind, your body could be doing not so well. And we miss a really important component of how you're doing. Mm. So if I ask about your soul, then I'm asking about the whole you. And it gives me an opportunity to see how are you truly, indeed, fully, wholly. And so that's the purpose of that question. Well, Dr. Marielle, how is your soul doing today? (laughs) That's so sweet. Thank you so much for asking. That just made me smile so hard. Um, yeah, today my soul is, is started off with, because of the busyness of the day, a little restless and somewhat unbalanced. And then I found my way into my own homeostasis, my own balance. And now I'm feeling like my soul, mind, body, spirit, they all feel calm. Everything is like in a calm state. Mm. That feels so good. I love it when that happens and I just really revel in it. And if somebody doesn't know how to answer, like do you kind of walk them through any exercises or or do you just ask them to like stop, listen and figure it out? Or how do you suggest people figure out how their soul is doing if they don't know how to answer? Well, if they don't know how to answer, I, I go through the different dimensions and mm-hmm. I ask the questions concretely from each point of view. And I have to do my own check-ins, right? Like I have to wake up in the mornings and do all of my rituals and things that I do in order to just like situate myself and bring myself into a balanced state. And 
in doing so, I have to do all of the check-ins and all of the dimensions in order to situate myself and see how my own soul is. So that also gives me an opportunity to learn how to do it with others, right? If I am able to transition from one dimension to the other and then finally, you know, come to center with, okay, my soul is still a little restless and working it through, then I can learn how to do that with others by saying, how's your mind? Give me some emotion words. What are you feeling in the moment? And then let's, let's take a full body scan. How's your body doing? What is it that you've put into your body? Sometimes we even have to do body scans in reference to medications. Maybe they're not doing so well because of that. So we, we need to check in on that. And then finally, in whatever way they like to check in with their spirit, it's important to allow an opportunity to do that. That's why I put it into practice in my own world and in my life and in my mornings so that I can learn also how I can best serve people whenever I'm asking the question and asking them to do all of this work on themselves as well. Great. I think this could be a great time. That that sounds like a great way to tie (laughs) in our last question for you, which is on light work. So light work is an exercise or a practice that to share with our Saqqara Light listeners that help them to start to put some of what we talked about today, some of your work into action in their own lives. It might be a challenge or it might be an exercise, but something that to help them shine their lights a little bit brighter. Yeah, I think that as you go through your journey of healing and bringing balance into your life, I think it's beautiful whenever we're able to shine our light onto others by just pulling them along for the ride. The more that you heal, the more that you learn, the more that you engage in the process of bringing balance into your soul, into the the fullness of you, bring someone along for the ride. So your light work is to pass along the healing so that we can create a network of people that are in healing and in balance and yeah. All right. I love that. So getting Mm -hmm. somebody else involved, like Mm -hmm. share your learning and your own healing with somebody else, maybe share this podcast with somebody that might need to hear it. I was thinking the same. You literally read my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Great minds think alike, Dr. (laughs) Mario. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, we're so grateful for you and your work and so grateful to have you on the Sakara Life podcast, as well as our expert in the Sakara reprogram that is launching in September. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to be with the two of you and to to have this conversation. I'm truly honored to be a part of this journey and and to engage everybody whenever we start the program or the reprogramming. Great. Well, thank you so much. We look forward to talking to you again. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Take care, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to the Sakara Life podcast and we'll see you next time, Sakara Lights. 
If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Mm-hmm.